Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are powered. Are there not times when we simply wish God would just tell us what he wants us to do? I'm Ron Huntley, your host, and today's guest, Joe Killian, is an author, speaker, and coach. Joe recently wrote a book titled, Our Journey with God. I'm releasing this podcast just before Easter. This book would make a great gift for the people that you care about. Enjoy this episode. Lift off and the clock has started. Joe Killian, welcome to the show. Ron, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. You know, for those of you that are listening, Joe is the very first person I got the opportunity to coach when I was feeling called at St. Benedict to start coaching. And I ran into this uh, fellow named Pat Molyneux, who's a mutual friend of ours. And, and Pat said, would you spend some time with my friend Joe, who's doing some work with us, coaching into churches? And so, Joe, that's where we first met, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, it was. As a matter of fact, it was, it was a great opportunity and, and a God, you were a godsend because the um, time, timing of it was when I started getting involved with the Alpha Course. And I was working with the parish, had started by coaching the pastor and a key member of his staff. And, and out of that came uh, them launching the Alpha Course, which was wildly successful, I'll say, because of you. Uh, <laughs> but he had, he had laid a lot of the groundwork uh, for it. Uh, and that's how you and I met. And, and the friendship has continued since then. So It absolutely has. In fact, I, I don't know if you remember now, but you told me that story about sometimes when you would speak, you're good at juggling and you'd tell this story about juggling, you get people to throw. I've told your story about the bowling ball probably a hundred times. It is one of the most powerful images to drive home the point that life sometimes throws you a bowling ball when you're juggling all the things in your life. Sometimes you have to drop everything and catch the ball. Remember that? That was so much fun to do live because in, in workshops that I would be doing, and particularly around the concept of time management early in my career, uh, business career, I, I, I would juggle and talk about how you manage and juggle the various things and everything. And, and I'd have somebody come up and, as, as a volunteer and toss me while I was juggling, toss me a bowling ball. And, and I would drop my, the three balls I was juggling, grab the bowling ball, and allow uh, them to like take this big... <gasps> deep breath as they, th- they, they, as they threw it. And then I would actually do it and be able to start juggling the ball uh, with some careful planning and, and to keep the, the, the bowling ball in the air with two of the juggling balls and talk about how we need to realign priorities and things like that. But it was really the visual of it was, was awesome because I had bought a red rhino bowling ball, right? Bright red rhino bowling ball. I can't believe you remember that story. Yeah. <laughs> You've told it so many times. Well, there you go. You never know the power of our stories when we tell them. But it's been fun. You, you had an incredible career in training, uh, in, as a development person, somebody who's done some headhunting in your past, and you moved on to ministry as a DRE. And then you wrote this book. And I would like to open this book up a little bit because it is a beautiful book that I think couldn't be more timely with the fact of COVID and the stress of, you know, for you guys, the election and, and all the other things that are going on in the world right now. And it's called 
Our Journey with God, and you've capitalized W-I-T-H. Tell me more about that. Well, it's funny because the book was published 18 months ago. So nine months into the publication, nine months into, you know, working to promote the book and, and actually coaching people through the book, uh, COVID hits. And so, you know, it, it, what I expected to happen once the book was published, having been a speaker and been out on the speaking tour and everything, was to get out there and start speaking and have the opportunity to sell the book and get people excited about it and learn about what the, the whole thing was about. And then everything stops. And, and, it, and so it's been a very unusual experience in, in, in the publication of the book. But the book, in particular, with that concept of with, um, was really kind of the Holy Spirit speaking to me as I was early, in the early part of the process of writing the book with the idea of our journey with God, each of those four words has a specific meaning, and we could talk about those more in detail, but the with portion of it was the most unique, because when I got to that, the title of the book was very prevalent or very obvious to me when I started writing, but the, when I got to the with portion of the book, it, you know, it was like, well, what is this about? Because our is important, journey is important, God is obviously hugely important, but with, it's like, huh? and then I, I came up, I was led to the idea that with is willing, intimate, trusting, and humble. And, you know, that we are going to walk journey with God, and we're going to do so when we're willing. We're going to grow in our intimacy with him. We're going to learn to trust him. We're going to become humble in that process. And then, as I was working through that a couple of years in the making, it took six years, almost six years to finish the book, I got to the point where one day it hit me. And I tell a story in the book about running through the woods of Indiana, Pennsylvania, where I went to college, Indiana University of Pennsylvania, and I was in the ROTC at the time. And uh, we did a, uh, an orienteering course, which you get a map and a, and a regular old-fashioned compass, and you run through the woods. And I talked about this, and all of a sudden, I thought about willing, intimate, trusting, and humble as four points on the compass. And so that is the idea that really kind of came to be with the book and is the most, I think, unique part of the book, where willing is, is the Western part of the compass, intimate is the true north, the relationship we have with God, trust is to the, uh, to the east as we look to the new day, to the new horizon for whatever he's got in store for us out there, and then the grounding in humility that we find at the base of the compass. And that's how I work with people when I coach and when I speak and what the book talks about in regards to allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us. And the key to that is the, is the concept, the difference between the compass, which is a somewhat of an older, actually an ancient tool, versus what we experience today with, GP, with GPS, global positioning. Right. God is what I basically say in the book is God is not a God of global positioning. He does not give us from A to B with every turn, every uh, you know, light uh, highway. Be nice if he did, wouldn't you agree? It, w- it would be. And I think there are plenty of times in life when we think, gosh, just tell me what you want me to do. But that's not the God we, we love and serve. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so it's, it, we, he is more of a, of a um, he guides us in more of a compass sort of way. And that's, that's kind of how it has evolved and how it's worked. And I asked two questions and I posed these two questions with, with a compass is what a compass does is it, it helps you to uh, orient and it helps you to navigate the orientation toward, toward, 
portion of that is when it grounds you as to here's where I am right now. Mm. Where am I is the question that the, the compass poses. And then where am I going? Mm. You got to start with the orientation though. We too often run ahead in this world and, and chase after things. And I've been guilty of that for you know, countless times. Run, 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 run. And, and, and at best say, okay, Lord, where do I go now? Oh, okay, I think I hear you go. You know? And yeah. so it helps to keep us oriented towards God and allow him to navigate by his Holy Spirit. I'm smiling as you tell me that because in our pre-conversation, you talked about having Activator as your number five strength theme. And that was very much Activator. Learn as you go, like be in motion while you're learning. So I'm, I'm sure God is far more gentle on you than you are on yourself. <laughs> yeah, well, yes, he has been. Yes, he has been. But that whole idea of an Activator is ready, shoot, aim. Uh, you know, is, is guilty as charged. See, he's teaching me that every day of my life uh, to wait on him. And, and right now in the midst of, you know, COVID, uh, that has been an incredible challenge because uh, my, my ministry really shut down in March of last year. And I, and I found myself, I did, I've done some work, particularly through the summer and uh, with some coaching and uh, with a staff of people and, a, and, a, and an individual that I work with. But, but I have, I've had to wait and I'm still waiting, you know. Yes. Going yes, forward. Well. Hopefully after uh, people hear this interview, they'll pick up your book and now your, your phone will start to ring because you are an amazing person who has an incredible, incredible amount of gifts in the facilitating training field and your love for the church is, is really guided who you are. But, you know, it's I find it funny how our journey with God, with is the word like that's a throwaway word. It is. It becomes an anchor word as you pro, pray through and think through and work through your book, like writing a book is like writing a talk or a testimony, except times a hundred, because anytime you take the time to think through and write out your thoughts and try to articulate it, to communicate it to somebody else, it takes on a whole new life. Don't you find like, what was the book writing process like for you? <laughs> Painful. Sure. Uh, no, that's not that. I, it, it, I guess what I jumped to, I chuckled. Um, what somebody said to me in the very, very late stages of the process was writing is a creative endeavor. Editing is an analytical one. <laughs> you roll your eyes too. And, 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 and we are, um, those of us who are creative, um, which I am, enjoy the writing process. But yes. very often, and I, I dedicated the book to my, my incredible wife, Maria, because she was my primary editor. Um, and she is analytical and she is detailed and she knew how are to you, structure it. I family. have to ask, are you guys still married? We are still <laughs> married. And I'll tell you what, she, she was so, uh, wonderful through the process and, and <laughs> she didn't say never again. <laughs> there were plenty of days when she had that look in her eyes. Um, but writing the book was really cool because like I said, it took almost six years from that moment when, when I woke up and in December of 2013 and had the idea or was inspired by, by God to, to write, to begin writing the book. And it, but it, it wasn't a, a traditional flow through that. I mean, it, it was starts and stops and um, the general concept of the book, our journey with God was always there. But even that, as we talked about with the with compass, that changed, that kind of evolved as time went on. Mm -hmm. So I really enjoyed the process. I had started writing the book, uh, before I met you, and I'm not sure if I would have even talked a whole lot about it when I was when you and I were because I was so deeply involved in parish coaching and helping to run the Alpha Course uh, 
that I, I knew it was on your heart. I do remember you mentioning that there's okay. a book in you. And so I knew it was coming. And so, you know, and I think there's a lot of people probably that are listening too that have had this concept laid on their heart by God and, and you just kind of push it off, you ignore it or you wrestle with it. If anybody's listening, start writing, put, put pen to paper and start writing. Without a doubt, without a doubt. And, and, I, and I'll be honest with you, when in those times, and, and, and our example of the parish I was working with when you and I met and you were coaching me and, and helping me to understand the Alpha Course and helping me to understand who I was created to be as you coached me through my strengths, helped me through my strength. Um, it was a matter of, like I said, starts and stops. And it actually got to a point where I had made tremendous progress. But I was three and a half, four years into writing the book, and it got to the point where I had realized I had started to pursue things that were really not, I wasn't supposed to be doing. I was not supposed to be Western Pennsylvania's alpha guy, which I had become. I had helped start five, five different parishes start the alpha course. And I was involved with diocesan work, um, facilitating a collaborative uh, missionary discipleship program called On Fire. A friend of mine developed, and and I was doing all these different things, and 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 I was realizing at times that they were becoming a distraction because as I had gotten to a point, the book needed to be finished, mm-hmm. and and I I started pushing those things aside, setting them aside, and a year later the book was published. So yes, I encourage everybody to just to write, and blogging is such a wonderful opportunity for people to do because anybody can set up a blog and begin that process of writing. I even know people who have combined blogging for a couple of years and made a book out of it. That's not what I did, but. Yeah, that's what Father Simon Lobo did when he wrote uh, The Divine Renovation Apprentice. Uh, It it was a series of blogs that he wrote to his Companions of the Cross. And Father James looked at it one day and said, and it was, every time he laid one down, we were all like, this is so good. And then Father James eventually said, this needs to be a book. And I remember Father Simon, that was the last thing on his mind. However, once that seed was planted, it was like, wait a minute, maybe this could be a book. And it, and it has turned out to be a great book. So that's really good advice, Joe, in terms of those people out there that may have something on their heart. That's another way to. Well, yeah, it is. And, and I think the key to experiencing the process of writing a book or developing a blog or doing anything really is understanding who you are in that process. Because the, the, the writing of the book was quite an experience for me to grow into. Uh, as an author. Uh, I had been doing my blog for years. I started the blog as a DRE at one of the parishes. I worked for the parish community there. And it was actually called Our Journey Together with God. Huh. And so, but, but that was the inspiration for the actual title of the book came in that moment when God woke me earlier. I woke up early that one morning. But the idea that, that learning and understanding what I was good at, good at were the concepts the ideas, the things that I could connect using my ideation to go back to the use of a strength and to connect concepts. But, but much of my writing, dare I say, most of my writing needs editing. And as I learned that, my, my wife and I would work, Marie and I would work together to allow the process to, to work where, okay, Joe, just capture the ideas. Right. And, and, and then she would help me to maybe align them and do it. And then I would go away and we would walk away. We'd come back to it. And I said, I figured it out. And she said, what did you do? I said, I reordered it. It was usually the answer. And I took a sentence out and it makes sense. Um, but the idea was I had to allow my way of writing, who, the way I am, 
you know, the way I was created to be to come through this process. Maria and I always said in the process, we wanted this to be simple, the book to be simple, yet profound. So we worked hard to go back to that all the time and say the concepts are relatively simple. Really, the, the relationship, our journey with God in concept, <laughs> in theory, yeah. is simple. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All, well. Yeah. Right. Exactly. It's. It, it's. That's the point. But yet, it is so incredibly profound. And at the same time that it is simple, it is also very challenging. Dare I say, difficult. <laughs> so, so you know, it's all part of that process, and um, it, it was uh, a, a co- incredible learning experience for me to do that. You, you brought up earlier the whole idea, again, this is our, our pre-conversation, uh, so I want to bring it back to this because you're kind of hinting at it right now, the difference between authentic identity and false identity. Can you say more about that? Absolutely. We are all created in God's image and likeness, and, and that is the beginning of the book, the book, capital. Uh, the first three words is where the, my book starts, the book God gave me. It's also the beginning of our journey with God. And so that idea of our, that word our is the first part of the book. And, and in that, we are all created in his image and likeness after his likeness. And so this is the, is the core fundamental truth of our creation, of who we are. And yet, the, again, it would be simple if, if we could just walk in that, right? If we were walking in the garden with, with no with no problems or no difficulties or any of those things. But unfortunately, back in the garden, um, Adam and Eve fail. They fell. They, they choose to pursue a different identity because, because they were tempted by Satan that you'll be like God. And that is what I refer to as the first identity theft. And the idea that we can be something of our own choosing, something of our own making, is part of this profound part of, of the our portion of, of who we are, what the book is about. But what happens then is we end up pursuing the falseness that is, that is in us. And that is obviously why where that will lead to as we look forward, why we need a redeemer, why we need Christ. Uh, to free us from that. But false identity is really, it's a lot about in the book, I talk about this this, um, pursuit of something other than what God wants for us. Um, You know, I talk a lot about parenting in the book, and I share a lot of the stories in our lives. And and I remember when my youngest son was a, a soccer player. He was five years old, put him on the soccer field and he was a holy terror. He scored the first game he ever, first scrimmage he ever played and he scored seven goals. <laughs> and, and I was convinced I wasn't a soccer player, played football, but <laughs> I was convinced I had a prodigy on my hands. And it was really a challenge for us to pursue Joey for who Joey really was and not to pursue all the things and, and, and activities that others suggested we pursue for him. That, you know, that we get caught up in things. And not that it's a bad thing to pursue those things, but for me to try to think that I want to create a professional soccer player wouldn't have been quite fair to him. He is not. He's an incredible math teacher, teaches eighth grade, and he coaches soccer. 
But the idea in that is, is we can get caught up as parents in pursuing a false identity for our children. We hear the voices of our parents then. Uh, actually, I talk in the book about the, the false identity, pursuing the false identity is listening to three separate voices. We listen to the voice of our flesh, and that goes back to the garden. The fruit was good. Oh, boy. Well, I want to pursue that, right? So my flesh is tempted. There's the, there are those voices. We deal with the voices of our past, whether it's parenting voices that said, you should be this, or you should do that, or you're not good enough, or whatever you want to say. And then we deal with the voice of the enemy. So we're in a constant struggle, this constant um, tension, if you will, between our true authentic identity that God has created and, and this falseness that is there. Um, ever present. And, and the more difficult a, for instance, the more difficult your upbringing might have been, the more challenging it is to work through the, the voices that you should listen to and the voices that you really shouldn't listen to. And that's one of the things in my coaching that I find is really profound for the people I coach, because a lot of them will say in their first conversation with me, they'll say, oh yeah, I had a great upbringing. You know, my parents were wonderful. But I'll be seeing these things in them. There's like this dysfunction, this pattern of dysfunction that has gone, you can see it through their whole lives that they're not aware of. And it very often goes back to listening to and believing the voices of who our false identity is. And so Christ is the bridge back to true identity. And it is a profound opportunity to recognize the difference between authentic identity and false identity. And then to live in, to learn to live in, in how, who God created you to be. I love how you say that, Joe, because in a lot, I've contacted a couple of people in the last couple of months who are just so successful as parish priests, like they're, they're killing it. And I, I just reached out to them, one, because I believe in them so much, two, because they're so fruitful and their trajectory is awesome. And three is because I believe deep in my heart that if they had a coach, they would go further. Mm-hmm. And bring more people with them because you said patterns of dysfunction that they are unaware of. Uh, I remember being at a leadership conference one time and Bill Hybels had summarized a book he'd read and said, we all have three and a half blind spots. And sometimes I joke, you know, it's like we walk around with a plank in our eye. We should have had, there should have been a scripture about that. Uh, you know, because, <laughs> because it's so easy to see other people's it, it, or sorry, I should say it's easier, and depending on how you're hardwired for giftedness and, and skills and sure. your ability to listen, it's often easier to see that in others than it is to see in ourselves. And that's why our personal prayer time is so important, but also to have somebody else that can help you through that, who loves you, that can create a safe space, that has your best interest in mind. Because I often say to leaders, your blind spots are the glass ceiling to the impact God wants you to have in your business or in your parish or in your ministry. And the problem is we're often way too nice to say anything to people. Or there's, mm-hmm. not a, there's not a culture of feedback. Uh, there's not a sense of, oh, people don't get necessarily a sense of openness from us that it's okay to tell me those areas where even though I'm trying, the impact I'm having isn't consistent with the intent in my heart. Exactly. And so it's, I'm glad you do that. And so that's so beautiful. So how do you think, one of the things I'm running into right now, Joe, 
because as we tape this, we're in the middle of a pandemic still. I say middle, hopefully we're on the tail end, but mm-hmm. who knows, time will tell. But a lot of the leaders that, that I work with, they're, they're doing amazing relative to probably other leaders in their area. But I think if we're honest, we're all dealing with either this low-grade depression or this low energy level and this sense of uncertainty. How would your book, how would your book, like I'm thinking about from a timing perspective, what would that do for somebody like that right now? I said to my wife the other day, we were heading out doing some grocery shopping, you know, putting our masks on, uh, getting ready to walk into the grocery store. I said, I can't wait until we can go out and do things again without this low-level anxiety, this, this stress of something as simple and mundane as, as grocery shopping. And so when you look at something that is as simple as that, that we carry that, I think there's something important to recognize and acknowledge in this world today that we should expect that this is going to have an effect on us, that it is wearing us down. And I think a lot of those people, especially those that are hard-charging, and just don't aren't really good at being reflective and looking and assessing where they are and how they're going, <laughs> Ron. <laughs> okay, people like <laughs> people like you, Ron, um, that are caught up in just getting it done. Um, the book is is if in, in in one very very significant way is designed to allow us to step back and assess who we are. And, and in doing so, the idea that it begins with the word our, it begins with God himself, as it should, is we get regrounded in him because he is so far above and removed from the pandemic. You know, it's like this is nothing to him. You know, one of the things that I think of, Ron, I always laugh about this is the fact that, um, you know, and, and this is, I've been thinking about this over the last six to nine months, is, you know, the Israelites were in bondage for 400 years. I'm whining about nine months, you know? Yeah, fair enough. And, and so, again, perspective, right? And so yeah. the book, it, it helps us to go back into he who is above it all. You know, our Lord and Savior, it, 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 he, he's risen above it all. And, and so we get grounded in that, and that's where it starts. And, and our story is just a, a blip on his screen, and yet he cares enough to be in relationship with us personally. And again, that I'm walking through the hour and then here in the journey our, where our story fits and where we're journeying through this whole process. We're going to come out of this, and hopefully we're going to come out of it with a stronger relationship with with him. And, and the compass is that stop and to stop and say, okay, Lord, where am I right now? Uh, and, and what, what does that mean with the grand scheme of things? And, and I shared with you, if I may, uh, just to touch on, uh, we walked had, had, with all that's gone on in the world in the last year. Um, our, our last quarter of 2020 was like, okay, let's get this year behind us. Well, right as we were nearing that point in November of this past year, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with terminal liver cancer. And my wife and I and my daughter and, and, and her fam- my wife's family, we, we uh, rallied around her and spent the last couple of months of her life, um, she only lives a mile from me, uh, getting a real wake-up call in, in regards to life is so precious and so short. <clears throat> and so all of this comes back to this idea of, who are we holding on to? I heard you earlier use the word anchor. 
and 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 um, if we're anchored to him, then you think of that deep anchor in a stormy seas. The mm. boat is tossed about, but it's still anchored. It stays connected, and and that's what you know our journey with God is all about: remaining in Him, abiding in Him, as a branch does to the vine. So beautiful, and I hope that as people are listening, as you're listening to this today, I often, as I coach into pastors and their leadership teams. We can become professional Christians. We consider the work that we do, our prayer or our contribution to our local church, and we get disconnected. The very fact that we're in ministry can disconnect us from that intimacy that God is calling us to. And, and, and then we, honestly, then our ministry becomes a false idol. It, it can. And, and what I see is, and what I'm hearing from your book, and as you're talking, Joe, is what we do ultimately best in its finest, purest, most beautiful form comes out of who we are. Correct. And if we're going to be sustainably fruitful in our leadership, again, whether it's a business, whether you're a manager, whether you're a priest or you're in ministry, it's going, your, your sustainable fruitfulness is going to come out of who you are, your true identity, your unique purpose. And that, those can sound like buzzwords and catchphrases, but boy, you know when you're there because you're you're functioning from a place of love and service to others. And that's that's where life to its fullness is found. It's not in our comfort and our grabbing a hold of anything we can for our own purposes. This is a it's a beautiful book, Joe. Thank you. Thank you. It is um, when I talked about, I mentioned my mother-in-law and and you know, I had kind of set pretty much everything in life aside, uh, other than preparing for the holidays and enjoy, trying to enjoy the holidays. But I, when it went after she passed, um, I remember saying to Maria, what an incredible with experience for me. Because I, I said, you know, I, I said something to my wife and I, and she said, what do you mean you haven't been living the compass? And I said, well, I really haven't thought about the compass. And I stopped and I said, hold on, willing. Did I really want to have to do this? Yes, I wanted to do it because I love my mother-in-law. I wanted to be there for my wife and help support that. But no, I didn't want to have to go through this. But right. I submitted my will to, to God's greater will and seeing this process go through. And, and, and the moments that I had with her, uh, I did morning cup of joe. I was there from 8 a.m. Usually most of the time it was my shift to go from 8 a.m. to noon between caregivers. And uh, she and I enjoyed coffee together. And those little moments uh, with her and I, were just pure love and, and they were pure God because, you know, it, it was just so powerful uh, to be there with her and for her. Trusting God through that process, you know, was, was an incredible challenge for me because she, you know, with all the, the issues of, of, you know, a person dying is just, it's messy. Yeah. And, and you had to go through that. And what a humbling experience. And so I thought to myself, wow, that's actually pretty cool. I wasn't thinking about having to do W-I-T-H to journey with God through this and to journey with her and alongside my wife and family. I, was, I, had, I had actually been immersed in it. Mm. And that was an incredibly beautiful experience. And, and I've had similar experiences like that along the way. And, and they are they're God moments you know, and, and we are blessed to have them. It isn't always easy. And this idea of authentic identity leading to unique purpose, being 
who you are leads to the to the most fruitful doing isn't to say you're not going to do things in life you don't mean to do. And that's why I share the story about my mother-in-law. Right. You know, how challenging it was. But on the flip side of that, what a blessing it was for all involved. Incredible experience. So the the being who you were created to be, my brother helped me understand that uh, in the latter part of the process because my wife Maria was the power of attorney. My brother-in-law was the medical power of attorney. And, and I was the PR guy. <laughs> I my, was, you know, I was the guy that would, and I, I just interacted with a lot of people and I help with those things, uh, you know, and, and because that's what I'm, what I do. That's what I'm good at. You know, we all work together in that as we look to do when we work as a parish, when we work as a, in a community or as a family. Um, but it all circles back to who we are, whose we are. Uh, created in his image and likeness. I love that. And I think when people have the opportunity to read your book, I think the the insight you had because of your mother-in-law, it's like you weren't conscious of it, but when you took the time to reflect and look back, you're like, oh my gosh, I was immersed in it. And sometimes I think for those people that maybe don't believe or are on the fence or not sure, or maybe have fallen away, sometimes when you take the time to read the book like yours, Joe, you're going to be able to, through the rearview mirror, see where God's grace has been in your life, but you weren't able to articulate it and name it. And boy, is that ever going to bring you comfort to recognize you don't have to believe in God for him to be with you and believe in you. And it starts to put some perspective on, oh my, this is real. It's bigger than you think. And it's overwhelming. In the best way possible. Absolutely. And the, the journey portion of the book really talks about story. And, and, I, and I walk through the, God, God, the story of God's people. And, you know, beginning with Abraham and, and through, the, through the, the history of the Israelites. And it's easy for us to look back and see those things and relate to those stories in different ways. But we don't really realize that, you know, a thousand years from now, they might be looking back and reading about you and me and seeing maybe not uh, – I'm half joking, right? But that our stories are also a part of God's stories yes. of that incredible um, salvation history from the beginning of time all the way through. And, and, and that we're not always expected, we can't always expect to see and understand what's happening in the moment, but at least to acknowledge that he is there with us and helping us to, to, to recognize that this is about him. Mm-hmm. And, and because if we can do that, when we can do that, Ron, we get back to the, to that understanding of the significance of life and the significance of everything that happens in our lives. In the book, I, I decided not to do the end of chapter questions. I placed throughout the book at various points of significance, uh, what I called capture moments. And, and what I do with those is I, I suggest that people stop and reflect and think about what they've been reading and where they are in that context. And then when I coach, I actually unpack those with, you know, with the pastor or the staff or the individual that I'm working with to help them, even if they're not good at the reflecting process, to help walk them through that so they can gain understanding of their past um, as well as their current space and begin to, to look to their future with 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 more godly eyes, you know, not necessarily trying to paint that future themselves, but allowing themselves to be the paintbrush in God's hand. 
What a beautiful image. And I think, you know, when I look at, again, the season that we're in right now, it is fraught with difficulties, uncertainties in terms of what the future is going to look like, the role we'll play as leaders, how we're going to take people there with confidence and courage and and fruitfulness. It's challenging. However, I believe that if we are journeying with God, if we really are in holy communion and, and, and trying to live out that grace of presence of who we are, being honest with ourselves, who we are, and in the hand of God, he is going to lead us through this in a way that will surprise us. Mm-hmm. That's what I really believe to be true. I'm totally on board. Totally so, agree. Joe, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go? I think the easiest place to begin with that is joekillian.com. How do you spell and, that? Uh, uh, J-O-E. <laughs> K-I-L-L-I-A-N.com. It's a relatively new website. We did it last year. And uh, that is where you'll find more about my my story and and what I do and the coaching that I do, the speaking that I do. And I'm looking forward to doing more of when we get beyond the pandemic. And of course, uh, where people can, can purchase my book. Wonderful. Well, I really encourage people to do that, Joe. It's been so fun to catch up again. Give my love to your beautiful wife, Maria. I will be Let that. her know that I was praying for her during her mother's sickness because I was. I appreciate and, that. Uh, yeah. And I just, I, I really enjoyed our time together today. I, I have so much respect for you. I am, love to learn how to juggle bowling balls someday. Uh, I think that would be a nice addition to my public speaking. <laughs> I just tell the story and save my toes the agony of messing yeah, up. That, that was always one of the more fun parts of that, Ron. You, we get together here in Pittsburgh. So I don't have. I used to haul that. I used to haul that thing across the country. I always wondered about the people checking my luggage, saying, "Why is this guy carrying this red bowling ball in here?" But he loves his bowling. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, there were no holes in the bowling ball I used to juggle with, so that was really funny. Uh, Ron, it is it has been a pleasure. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to do this. Uh, your ministry is amazing. Uh, your ability to to connect with people and and not only to connect but to be able to lead people forward um, in in where they are. I experienced it firsthand. Your fruit is is amazing, and I admire you. Uh, and and just wish you well as you go forward. God bless you. I appreciate your kind words. You're welcome. If you're one of the leaders in your parish tasked with booking speakers to inspire faith, you'll want to book Joe. He's an expert communicator with a love for Jesus and his church. Visit his site, buy some books, and journey closer to God. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time, and remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.